0: may god speak to you through today's message from senior pastor mike mcgown good morning welcome to parkway fellowship so glad you're here today today we are in part three of our message series inside out and in this series we're talking about how god can take the changes that he started in us and make those changes permanent now today we're talking about the subject of anger I mean, and wouldn't it be great if God could take uh, our anger where we'd lose control and actually give us control over that anger and then make that a permanent thing? Like, that would be really good, right? Um, Now, as many of you know, I used to be a youth pastor. And I remember one Sunday, um, I had a teacher, he was teaching sophomores that day, and I saw his wife and his daughter, they ducked in the classroom a little bit late. And after they went in, I mean, and closed the door, I mean, literally, like, this guy went off on his wife and daughter. I mean, he had his door closed, and I was all the way across the gym, and, like, I could hear everything he was yelling so loud. I mean, he was yelling them of like, you know, hey, how dare you come in late again? I mean, I work hard to be on time, and when you come in, like, that's just respectful of me, and the, all that I put into, you know, being here at this church and teaching these kids, and, and, then, and then, like, then he's, he went personal with it, and he said, And not only do you disrespect me at church, but you disrespect me at home too. Like for you, the whole world revolves all around you and you get what you want. You care about what you need. You don't care about anybody else or what anybody else says or thinks or needs. And it's all about you, 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 you. Well, I tell you what, I've had it. And then, no lie, he picks up a chair and throws it across the room. Like no lie, and he said, "I am sick of all this. I am through." And he storms off, walks out the door, and slams it behind him. And all of those sophomores are sitting there, going, "Oh!" Ah. And I, I, like no kidding, like I am across the gym, and I am frozen. Like I don't know what to do. Like, do I call the cops? Like, do I call all their parents? Do I get this guy a little white jacket that ties in the back? Like, I, mean, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm freaking out. And so then, he sees me lock eyes with him, and then he, goes, and he gets a silly grin on his face, he goes like this, he goes, shh. <laughs> I, I, and then, so then, he opens the door, goes back, and, and he says, now that I've got your attention, let's talk about anger. Like, the whole thing was a put-on. Like, he faked, staged the whole thing. His wife and his daughter were in on it. I mean, it was—and I'm telling you, all those sophomores remembered it. Like, none of them forgot it. Like, I still remember it. Like, I'm still somewhat traumatized by the whole thing. But, yeah, like, I still get it. But listen, the reason why that worked is because anger is so unpredictable, isn't it? Like, I mean, literally— when someone gets angry, like you have no idea when it's going to happen, and it can take someone from zero to 100, you know, just like that. And, and look, we've all lost it, haven't we, at some point in time? And, we, and when we lose it, you know, we say things that we wouldn't normally say. We do things that we wouldn't normally do. We react in ways that we would, we would normally not react. I mean, that's just what happens when we lose it. And left unchecked, Anger can become a way of life. It becomes the way we deal with people, it becomes the way we deal with conflict, the way we deal with traffic, the way we deal with criticism. And anger, it, it, it wrecks relationships, it ruins trust, it causes people not to want to be around us because like, they never know when the bomb is gonna go off. And in turn, anger, it's ruined careers, vacations, marriages, Children, I'm telling you, anger is very, very powerful. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes to the Ephesians and he writes to them and like, hey guys, look, you all started off so great in your commitment to follow Jesus, but I've heard that it's, for many of you, it's slipping and for a big section of you, like, it's in the area of anger, And so Paul writes some things to them, and he writes these very same things to us too to help us with anger. Here's what he writes. Look look at your sermon notes. He writes this. In Ephesians 4.26, he says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, don't you just feel better? I mean, don't you just feel like you're never going to lose your temper again? Yeah, Me neither. But here's the thing, in these these two little verses, Paul says so, so much about anger. But the truth is, most of us miss it because we didn't grow up in Ephesus in the first century. And so let's take some time and let's unpack this and allow God to teach us how he wants us to handle anger. So what does God say is the right way for me to handle anger? Here's the first thing God says. He says, don't act in the moment. Oh, please, don't act in the moment. Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Now, if you're to read this in the original language, what you would find is that this is actually two commands. It says, be angry, do not sin. And so the first command, like be angry. What it God is not telling us that he he's, God is not commanding us to just go around, and just be angry. Okay? Now I know that's disappointing because someone should like wish that was a command, because like that's one we could actually obey, right? But what he's saying is like God is saying through that, he's saying, look, I understand you are going to be angry, and it is okay. So you know what? It's okay. Be angry. And and, and the word that Paul uses for anger, like it it literally means trembling with anger. I mean, so he's saying, like, in those moments in your life when you, I mean, you are just trembling because you are so mad and you are so angry, Paul says, Do not sin. And, and, And for you and I, we're like, Oh, well, that's great. Well, thanks for nothing, Paul. He's like, I've tried that. Like, I can't, that's the problem. Like, I sin. And Paul says, you haven't tried it because you're not doing what I said to do because what I said to do is don't react in the moment. And I know, I mean, like, you and I, we look at that and we're like, where did you say that again? Because, like, I didn't see that anywhere. That's not what this verse says. Well, do you see how that, First part of verse 26 is in quotations. Do you look at that? Do you see how it's in quotations there? What that means is that Paul is quoting another part of the Bible. He's actually quoting Psalm chapter 4, verse 4, which was written like a thousand years earlier. And he knows, and I don't know why this is true, but he knew that when he wrote this to the Ephesians, if he just said the first part of Psalm 4, 4, that the Ephesians would already know, oh and they would fill in the gap with the last part. It, it, it would be like for me, if I said to you, hey, 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 sticks and stones, like you would fill in, the ga- fill in the rest because you know it. So for some reason, he knew that the Ephesians would know this. So he just simply starts Psalm 4-4, and he, he says the first part. Now, in case we might not know, not know Psalm 4-4, i would printed it there for you. It says this. It says, um, it says um, in your anger, do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Now, here's the thing. If you're sitting on your bed, it's awfully hard to lash out in the moment, right? Because if you were trembling mad and then you take a a break and you go sit on your bed for a while, like it's hard to lose it in the moment. And so God's, Paul is reminding us that God said long, long ago, he's like, hey, when you're trembling mad, like you, you need to get out of that moment. You need to take a break, like you need to pause because if you don't, you're almost always going to sin. It, 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 so take a break, like go to your room, sit on your bed, like sleep on it if you have to, but if you respond in the moment, you are almost certainly gonna sin. I mean, haven't we all like, haven't we all tried responding in the moment before? Like how's that gone? right? Like, you know, you respond in the moment, have you, any of you ever like just, just lost it like in that moment, And then after the dust settled, after the carnage was finished, after it was all over, have any of us ever said, you know what, I am so glad I got that off my chest. I'm so glad I said that. I mean, has has anybody ever gone off on us, and then after all that was over, have any of us ever responded with, you know what, I'm so glad, thank you for giving me just that raw, unfiltered emotion right then. Like, that was wonderful. Let's do that more. Like, no, like, we never say that. Why? Because... It's almost always sin when we respond in the moment. And So Paul, very strategically, he says to the Ephesians, hey, hey, be angry, but do not sin. And then the Ephesians are like, oh, yeah, that's right. We gotta go sit on our beds and search our hearts and be silent. And by the way, that last little part where it says, you know, be silent, that doesn't mean be silent when you're sitting on your bed. That means be silent when you're angry until you've sorted it out after sitting on your bed. And then you can go back and talk about it in a really calm sort of way. And so look, here's the thing. When you're angry, God says you need to already decide not to respond in the moment. Look, make a decision now that you're going to walk away, that you're going to cool off so that you can get a hold of yourself. And so then you can come back and you can talk about it in a productive sort of way. That's what he says to do. And until then, be silent, right? Okay, here's the second thing that Paul says to do. Second thing he says is that I need to ask God to show me why I'm angry. I need to ask God to show me why I'm angry. Now, here's the part of Psalm 44 that I want you to really take notice of. It says this, in 4-4 it says, in your anger do not sin, I want you to underline this part, when you are on your beds... Search your hearts and be silent. Search your hearts. This verse says that, hey, when you lie down at night and you're still fuming mad, Paul was telling the Ephesians, like, hey, you need to search your hearts. And really what Paul was saying in the context of Ephesians, Paul was telling them how all the things that... They need to allow God to do in them. So really what Paul's doing is in a very polite, nice way, he's kind of ramping it up to them to say, hey, you need to let God search your heart. And so what he's saying is, is that you need to allow God to search your heart to find out why you're really mad. I mean, have we ever figured out that sometimes the reason why we're mad is not really the reason why we're mad? Have we figured that out yet? I mean, that sometimes, I mean, we're just so seething mad underneath the surface, and we're just, I mean, it's just boiling right there. And then someone comes along, and they just say just a little remark, and it just pokes a hole right through that, and all of a sudden, like all of our anger just boils over and just scalds them, and they're like, what was that? Right? I mean, that's happened before. I mean, because we're mad at other things. No, we're, we're upset by something that happened at work, or you know, we're upset because someone else had said something, or like the car's gone to the shop again, or the Texans still didn't draft a quarterback this last round. I mean, it just we're seething mad about something, but it's not necessarily about the thing that you know, happened in the moment, right? And so what Paul's saying is like, hey, you need to let God search your heart to see why you're really angry. I mean, what is it that's really upset me so much? I mean, am I really angry about that issue or is it something deeper? You know, for instance, am I really mad that he's getting remarried or am I just really mad because he, it seems like everything's going great for him and I'm still suffering the consequences? You see what I'm talking about? You need to ask God, show me, like, why I'm really mad. But you'll never know. Until you ask God to search your heart. And look, there might not be anything there. But there might be. But the point is, is that you will never be able to get a hold of your anger until you've resolved any issues that remain unresolved of why that anger is still boiling underneath the surface. That's what he's getting. That's what he's saying. And so he's asking you to have the courage to pray the prayer say, and pray, God, God. Please, search my heart. Show me why I'm really so angry. I mean, have you ever prayed that before? And then Paul tells us a third thing. He says this. He says, I need to commit to resolve anger and not bury it. I need to commit to resolve anger and not bury it. <clears throat> Let's go back to our original passage today. Let's go back to the Ephesians passage. Here's what it says in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now look, here's the thing. When Paul says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, he's actually quoting um, a figure of speech that was popular in his day, okay? It it wasn't meant to be taken literally. I mean, it would be like, um, it would be like if you came to me and said, hey, Mike, I don't want you to root for the Baylor bears anymore. And I I look at you, I go, when pigs fly. Now, I'm not being literal with that, right? It's a figure of speech. That's the very same thing Paul's doing here. Like for him, it's a figure of speech. And so what he's really saying is like, hey, when you have anger, like you need to resolve it quickly. and Don't just bury it. You know, early in our marriage, like Amy and I, like we took this verse literally. And I remember one time we had a disagreement and, uh, it was a pretty big one, but I, I honestly, I don't even remember what it was. I'm sure it was over something really stupid, which just meant that it's my fault. Um, and I remember that we said to each other, like, we are going to work this out. We are not going to go to bed until, you know, we're not going to let the sun go down while we're so angry. So, like, literally, we stayed up, like, past 2 a.m. in the morning. Can I just tell you, we were not at our problem-solving best at after 2 a.m.? And by the way, if we were really going to be honest and take this passage literally, we already messed up because the sun had gone down a long, long time ago, man. I mean, hello. So look, this is, Paul never intended for us to take this literally. And look, seriously, so look, if you want to commit, like you're not going to go to bed until you got everything worked out, like that's fine. That's your own personal commitment, but that's not what God's commanding here. What he's commanding is that you resolve stuff and don't work it out. Now it certainly means that you would never move to another, you would never let the sun set on one season of your life before you resolve things to move on to another season of your life. For instance, like you should never remarry until you've gotten all of your anger resolved from your previous marriage. Teenagers, you should never leave your home after you graduate until you've gotten all of your anger resolved from when you lived at your home. You, because if you, look, if you don't, you're going to drag all of that anger into the next season of life, and you're only going to punish all of the new people in that new season of life because you left all this stuff unresolved because you didn't do what God told you to do. So you have to resolve it. You can't just bury it, Right? Now, this whole issue of anger is actually much more serious and there's much more at stake than we know. I want you to look at the last thing that Paul says to the Ephesians and he says this to us about how God thinks about anger. In Ephesians 4.27, it says this. He says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know what a foothold is? A foothold is a military term that describes how an enemy will try to take over a very small piece of ground so they can set up a base of operations so that they can take over a much larger piece of ground. That, that is a foothold situation. And when Paul writes this to the Ephesians, like they would have, it, it would have meant so much to them because get this, And let me illustrate from the life of the Ephesians about how something really small can grow to become something really, really huge. For instance, in the day of the Ephesians, that city of of Ephesus was famous for one thing. The city of Ephesus was the home of the Greek goddess, of the temple of the Greek goddess Artemis. Now Artemis was the Greek goddess of fertility. And so You know, if you wanted your livestock to reproduce, or if you wanted your crops to grow, or if you wanted to have a baby, you would go to Ephesus, make a sacrifice at the temple of Artemis, because Artemis was the Greek goddess of fertility. Now, look, when all this started in Ephesus centuries earlier, there was nothing there but an idol and an altar. Like that that was it. But over time, it grew to become this enormous temple. In fact, The temple of Artemis was so big that it was the biggest building in the known world with the exception of the pyramids in Egypt. It was bigger than the Roman Colosseum. It was so big and so magnanimous that it was later named one of the seven wonders of the world. It so dominated the landscape of the time. And as you can imagine, as the Greek goddess of fertility... Um, they once a year they had a month-long celebration to Artemis, and again, as the Greek goddess of fertility, you can imagine what would happen during that month-long celebration. I mean, there was tons of partying, there was lots of sensuality, there was rampant prostitution, there was lots of you know sexual encounters happening. Think about Mardi Gras on steroids for a month. I know, Seriously, like that's what they did. And listen, if you were to take some of those people that from centuries earlier, if they could have come back and they could have seen what had become of that little altar and that little idol, they would have been like, they would have been shocked at how it had grown and just taken over everything. And so Paul is saying to you and he's saying to me and he's saying to the Ephesians, it's the same way with anger. If you allow anger to get just a a foothold in your life, the purpose of a foothold is not to remain a foothold. The purpose of a foothold is to grow to become a stronghold. And if you allow anger to get a foothold in your life, literally, it will at some point take over and dominate the landscape of your life. And the Ephesians would have understood this because The temple dominated the landscape of their life, and everything in their city was revolved around this temple. And they viewed it. They viewed that temple as an evil stronghold in their city. But it started as a foothold. It started as something really, really small. And so Paul is saying, look, that's how the devil himself uses anger. And so how does God think about anger? This is your fill-in. Letting anger take control gives the devil a foothold, that can become a stronghold. So if you allow anger to take a foothold in your life, look, you got to understand, you're not just allowing it just to take a foothold. Because remember, the purpose of a foothold is not to remain a foothold. It's to become a stronghold. And you're allowing it to become a stronghold in your life. And God says, look, hey, you got to take, take anger much more seriously than you do. Look, it's not about being grumpy. It's not really about just being irritable. Because if you allow anger to stick in your heart, then, then you have allowed a foothold situation. And look, you need to understand, it's not just the emotion of anger. It is the devil himself setting up a foothold in your heart because he wants that anger to take over your life. And he knows that if he can can, can get that foothold, that it will one day become a stronghold. So look, when you feel yourself like getting trembling mad about something, like you didn't understand, that is not just your emotions talking. That is the devil invading That's how you need to think of it. And if you allow it to take over that foothold in your life and you allow that anger to to remain and you just act out in that anger, then I'm telling you, you are creating a situation where that can grow to become something that just so dominates your life. And so what God says to you and he says to me, he's like, you need to take this seriously because this is how the enemy is working. And so what you need to do is you need to understand that you have to deal with this stuff and you've got to deal with it immediately. You can't just bury this. Like, you have to understand that that, that this is a foothold situation. You've got to take it much more seriously than you ever did before. And so you've got to allow God to change your way of thinking about anger. Now, let me just say this. Let Let me wrap it up by saying this. If you're sitting here and you realize that anger has taken a foothold, and maybe for some of you that's actually grown to be more of a stronghold. Let me just encourage you with this. You can pray, and you can ask God to tear down that stronghold in your life. Because here's the thing. The temple of Artemis is no longer there. It's gone. There's hardly any ruins left. And God can tear down that stronghold in your life if you will let him. But you have to re Form your way of thinking to his way of thinking. And then you will have no problem doing the things that he's asking you to do. And that's how God changes you from the inside out when it comes to anger. And let me also say this. If you're sitting here today and you realize, you know what? I have this stronghold. And you also realize that you're not a Christ follower, or you're not sure if you are a Christ follower, let me say this, you have to start there. You have to start by becoming a Christ follower, because look, you cannot truly forgive until you are truly forgiven. And the only way that happens is if you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done. See, look, Jesus died on a cross so that his death could pay for your sins, And Jesus rose again three days later. He's alive. And he wants to take up residence in your life so that he can take over your life and not anger. But that starts by asking Jesus Christ to come in to forgive you and giving him control. If you've never done that, there's a sample prayer in your message notes at the bottom. Please, please, please pray that prayer today. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray for all of us And if you've never prayed that prayer before, after I finish praying while this song is going on, I want you to take a moment and pray that prayer to become a Christ follower. So, let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, (laughs) I first wanna say thank you that that temple that was a stronghold of the evil one, that temple of Artemis no longer stands. I thank you that that is a testament to your power and to your victory, not just in Ephesus, but it's a symbol symbol of the victory that you can have in our lives. And so, Father, for those that realize that a foothold situation has grown to become a stronghold situation, God, I ask that you would tear down that stronghold and they would yield their lives to you. And for all of us, God, that you would change our way of thinking letting us realize that when anger starts to boil, that's not just an emotion, that is the devil himself attempting to take over a small piece of our heart in an effort to take over our lives. And so God, I ask that you would help us to stamp that out by yielding everything to you. And so reframe our way of thinking and so that we can take this seriously. I love you, Father. I love you, Lord Jesus. And we ask this in your powerful name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.